Oklahoma and Texas will be on board in the SEC starting in 2024. Uh, The two Big 12 schools have finalized their divorce with their outgoing conference, and they will be in the expanded SEC, making it 16 teams in the SEC in just a couple years. Time, how will that affect the Vols? We will discuss that and more on this edition of the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside Adam Sparks of the Knoxville News Sentinel. John Adams uh, is on the mend. He will be back with us soon. So, Adam, the news uh, came out last week that it's it's finalized. Oklahoma and Texas have have secured early early passage into the SEC. You know, for a year and a half, really, we've had to kind of all stomach this charade that Texas and Oklahoma would not be coming into this conference in two, until 2025. I think most of us thought at some point they're going to strike a deal. Uh, why would it Why would it take that long? They're going to find a way out of their media rights deal. Well, they did. Uh, they came to terms with, with the Big 12 and, and Fox, and, and they got that all squared away. So this will be the last season. This 2023 season will be the last season of the SEC as a 14-team conference probably the last season of the SEC in divisions. Uh, we've heard from Greg Sankey that very likely divisions are going away. What do you make of, of this kind of finalization here with Oklahoma and Texas and, and what it's going to mean for the future of the SEC? Bring it on sooner than later. So I do like this move. I think it's similar to, you know, like when you have like those coaches in waiting, um, <laughs> you know, if, if we know what the outcome is going to be, why not just let it be now? Um, and so I, I, I do like that they're, bringing bringing them in uh next year you know i mean for, if we look at tennessee specifically um you know I, i'm i'm curious to see which oklahoma and texas that we get if you look at you know those two historically those are two brand names that are uh, you know among the top programs in college football um if you look at them over the past let's say 10 years um oklahoma is a national title contender uh, Texas is an eight and five team, eight and four team, seven and five, whatever. And so, which one are we going to get? Right now, Texas looks like it's trying to get back to being relevant. Oklahoma is down, so I, I do think speeding up the clock, um, I, I think, could potentially uh, determine which Oklahoma and Texas we get. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian is in his two years at Texas, he's five and seven and eight and five. So this year, does he get Texas, you know, back? We've said for years, you know, is Tennessee back? Well, is Texas back? They've been saying the same thing in Austin for years. Does does Sarkeesian get them back to like a 10-win team? If that's the case, then you're going to get old Texas, right? You're going to get more, more like Vince Young, Colt McCoy, Texas. For Tennessee, that would bump them down below Texas in, in their, you know, the first season, couple seasons, whatever. Um, Oklahoma, are we going to get the Oklahoma that was a national title contender for a lot of the last few years? Or are we going to get what was this year under Brent Venables, six and seven? You know, are, do those two guys, are those two guys coaching those programs when they get into the SEC? I, I think there was more time in the, if this was going to be delayed a, a, a couple years, I think there was more time to figure out what those two programs were going to do with their coaches. Uh, now you speed it up. Brent Venables, are they going to fire him after two years um, if they're, you know, a, a, have a losing record again? Uh, if Sarkeesian is just, you know, eight and five again, 
do they fire him because they want to get things right before they go into the SEC? But, you know, because if you look at Texas and Oklahoma, there's there's a couple scenarios. Um, do they make the SEC better? Yes. Uh, but does the SEC make them better? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, they could sort of, uh, you know, raise the level of the program because they're, they would now be in the best conference in, in college football. They also could be, you know, combat a whole lot of teams that are as good or better than them, and suddenly they're down. Um, so we don't know which one they're going to get. And if you look at Tennessee, you know, Alabama is ahead of Tennessee. The program is. Georgia is. LSU and Florida are uh, because they won multiple title national titles in the in the in the two thousands. Is Texas and Oklahoma ahead of Tennessee? Um, again, short term, long term, medium term, you can have different answers for that. And, and especially, you know, Josh Hopple over the next five years has a better trajectory, I think, than Brent Venables over the next five years. He he probably has a better trajectory than Steve Sharkeesian or about even. Um, and so what we get in Oklahoma and Texas coming into the conference and now a year early will determine where Tennessee is ranked uh, in the SEC. That could be a you know, a, a top of the middle tier, or they could be middle of the middle tier, or they could be bottom of the middle tier, depending on where Oklahoma and Texas are. And, and that's what I'm interested in, in the big picture. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, to your point about how, how is this going to affect Texas and Oklahoma? Uh, are, are they going to get a, a dose of, of hard reality here that life's tougher in the SEC? I think that's what SEC fans want to believe. I'm not in that camp. I mean, if you look historically at what teams in this conference have done South Carolina's program since joining the SEC now I mean we're 30 years into it here but South Carolina is a better football program today and they were a better football program 13 years ago than they were before they joined the SEC joining the SEC has been good for South Carolina for Arkansas I wouldn't say it's uplifted them. Arkansas's glory days probably stretched back to the to the Southwest Conference, um, but Arkansas, in a lot of years, is is not a doormat. It's found a way to be competitive in in the SEC and has had some really really good years at times. You look at Texas A and M. I mean, they hit the ground running with Johnny Manziel when they, when they joined the SEC. Boom! Right off the bat, they were winning eleven games behind Johnny Manziel after entering the SEC, and actually. If you look at Texas A&M's average win-loss record, it's a full win better since joining the SEC than it was during the duration of Texas A&M's time in the Big 12. Texas A&M's been a better football program in the SEC than they were in the Big 12. Missouri, you know, Missouri's been a 500 team the last several years, but right after they joined the conference, they won the SEC East in two out of their first three years. I know it was a different SEC East at that time, Georgia certainly was not functioning the way they are. Neither was Tennessee. Uh, and yet still, Missouri in a lot of years has has held their own in this conference. And, and other than a few great seasons, the Big 12, Missouri's been as good in the SEC as, as they were in the Big 12. There hasn't been any difference really in their program. So I think, um, you know, Oklahoma was winning the Big 12 year after year after year until recently. I don't think they're going to come into the SEC and do that. However, I think I think Oklahoma and Texas can kind of settle into that like program number four through number eight without too much trouble. I, I don't think Oklahoma and Texas are going to come into this conference and be in the bottom half of the league. I don't see them being 
in most years below maybe nine or 10 in the conference. And those would be bad years. I think in most years, Oklahoma and Texas are going to rank, you know, somewhere in the four to eight range in this conference. And in their great years, maybe they get up to number one and two. But for the most part, I think they're going to hang out in that that lower upper tier or that middle tier. Well, and, and I mean, that's that's the tier I think Tennessee, a reasonable Tennessee fan would hope that the Vols are in. Uh, I, I understand there are years that Tennessee could be in the top three or whatever this past year was was one of them. Um, but over over the long haul, let's say over a decade, I think Tennessee, reasonable Tennessee fans would like to be in that four to eight category because it means you're not in the eight to 12 or the, you know, the 13 to 16 category. Um, so I, I think that's reasonable. And so I, I think that's why these two could affect Tennessee a whole lot. Tennessee could stay above these two or they could be bumped down below these two. I think Missouri is an interesting uh, scenario because. You know, when Missouri came in, won a couple of what I think they won the East Division a couple times. Um, right. The East was the East was down. The East was weak when Missouri came in, and Missouri seized on that and benefited from it. Um, when Texas and Oklahoma come in now, and now we can see sort of the light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, they're going to be here in in a year and a half. Um, you know, Josh Hopple's still going to be at Tennessee. I think Nick Saban is probably. I think he'll still be at Alabama. I think Kirby Smart will be rolling at Georgia still. Um, Brian Kelly is only going to get better at LSU. I think that's a national title contending team in the next couple of years. So, the, the, you know, we're not going to have divisions, but I think those two teams are not going to come into an SEC that's that's lagging. I think they're going to come in uh, to a really, really strong SEC. And uh, for that reason, I, I do think they're going to have to, you know, claw to um, – to get as much relevance in the SEC as they had uh, in the Big 12. And and for Tennessee, they're, they're sort of kind of doing the same thing. You're trying to knock off those top two or three programs uh, to get into that same tier. You know, one of the, the, the big narratives after, you know, Texas and Oklahoma officially cleared passage for, for 2024 entry was, what does this do for the conference schedule? For years, we've heard, um, discussion about the potential for the SEC to expand from an eight-game SEC schedule to going to nine conference games. And Greg Sankey gets up there every year at SEC Media Days and says, uh, you know, we've thought about it, but what we do with an eight-game schedule works pretty well for us. And he's right. Throughout the BCS era, throughout the college football playoff era, um, it's really hard to imagine the SEC doing much better than, than they have. Uh, they've dominated the sport you know, throughout the last, whatever it's been, 15 years uh, or more. However, the playoff is expanding to 12 teams in 2024 as well. So I really think this coincides with an opportunity for the SEC to finally expand from an eight to a nine game conference schedule. If the theory was before, we don't want to open our teams up to more, you know, the potential for another loss, you go from an eight to a nine game conference schedule you're opening up the opportunity to lose another game. Well, with the playoff going to 12 teams, that leaves six at-large spots in a 12-team field. And part of the the determining factor for whether you get one of those at-large spots is how good your strength of schedule. Are you 9 and 3 with a lot of quality wins playing in a tough schedule or are you 9 and 3 playing a bunch of cupcakes? So I think the incentive is there for the SEC finally to go to a 9-game conference schedule. Additionally, 
I think the SEC will want to renegotiate its contract with ESPN, its media rights deal with ESPN, now that Oklahoma and Texas have joined the conference. And I would think ESPN would be willing to do that, but ESPN is going to want something in return, right? Well, what can you offer your media rights partner in return? You can get rid of a game off of everybody's schedule against Ball State or Akron or the likes of that and replace it with another conference game. That's what ESPN would like. So I do think we're coming to a point where the SEC will very likely approve a change to a nine-game schedule. And the leading model in that schedule would have each team playing three fixed rivals every year. So you got three of your nine right there. And then the other 12 teams would be divided into two groups, and you would play one group of six one year and the other group of six the other year. So you would play every team in the conference at a minimum of once every two years. You'd play three teams in the conference every year. They call it a 3-6 model or a 3-6-6 model. Um, And so then the debate goes to, okay, who are the three rivals for each team? Now, I did a a column recently, Adam, where I kind of mocked things up here. And and I like my pairings for a lot of schools. But you do, as you you fit the puzzle pieces into place, you have to make some concessions in a few areas where I landed for Tennessee. Interestingly is, is not where I landed when I did this exercise a year ago, I landed for Tennessee with the rivals of Alabama and Vanderbilt. I think those two are almost automatic. I don't think you can lose those, those rivalries. Um, But the third one, I think you have some wiggle room with to go in, in a few different directions. And I settled on South Carolina this time. When I did this exercise a year ago, I settled on Kentucky. I also think Florida you know, should be in that conversation. I don't think Florida is going to be paired with Tennessee, though, if it comes to this model. So those are the three I went with. Alabama, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina in this 3-6 model. What are your, what's your reaction to that, and, and what do you, maybe you lean toward as far as Tennessee's rivals being if it does come to this model? Um, I mean, I like Kentucky better than South Carolina, but um, it's really a coin flip to me. I mean, there's a few ways to look at this. Um, you know, older Tennessee fans will say, of course, Kentucky over South Carolina. Um, Kentucky is a rival for, you know, a neighboring state rival for like, you know, over a century. And, you know, and then newer Tennessee fan will say also Tennessee almost always beats Kentucky. And it's been a Kentucky's beat them a couple of years in the past decade. But, you know, historically, well, short term and long term, when you go to Lexington or Kentucky comes to Neyland, you think, well, Tennessee's going to win that game. Um South Carolina has actually been pretty even over the past uh, over the past 10, 12 years. So from just a wins perspective, you want to play Kentucky. From a history perspective, you want to play Kentucky. If you look at how those programs are going and you you plot out, you know, whether you'd win or lose that game over the next, you know, 10 years or whatever, uh, they're they're about even. I mean, you know, um, you know, Kentucky in some years have won 10 games. Uh, if you go back to Spurrier's days at South Carolina, they were a top 10 team, 10 wins, what, three different years. I, I don't see in, in what I'd said before about putting, you know, programs in upper tier, middle tier. If you put them in two tiers or three tiers or whatever, Kentucky and South Carolina are kind of the same program to me. Now, I will say South Carolina it's harder to win there, I think, uh, which is why Tennessee is, that has been fairly even in that series lately. Because if you go to South Carolina, that's that's a 
it's a pretty raucous crowd, um, which, you know, Tennessee uh, saw again this this past season. Um, you're not going to get that from Kentucky. The, the product on the field, the opponent is going to be about the same in those two games. Most years, um, the crowd's not. You, you never go to Kentucky and think, boy, that's going to be some kind of atmosphere that it's going to be tough to deal with. But, it, you know, if you look in the whole uh, picture of the conference, um, like you said, it's going to be hard. There's not there, there's a few schools in, in those pairings that are just hard to come up with three or to whittle it down to three. And Tennessee is one of those in the in the latter uh, where there's like five or six schools you could put with Tennessee and be fine. You could put Georgia with them. You could put Florida with them. You could put Auburn with them. Um, some schools, it's not easy to get to that. If you, you know, the the best the best way for the SEC to do it, if they can keep this somewhat balanced, is for everybody to play a really good program, a quote unquote bad program, relatively speaking, and a middle of the road program. And, you know, Tennessee would play Alabama, great program, Vanderbilt, relatively bad program in the SEC and South Carolina, Kentucky, middle of the pack, you know, at, at best historically. And so that that's I mean, I, I think Tennessee is probably going to be sort of the best uh, best case for how to keep these things even with some schools. That's not going to be the case. So if if you're a Tennessee fan and you get Alabama, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, I think you should say that's fine. If you get Alabama, Vanderbilt, uh, Kentucky, I think you should say the same thing. That's fine for anybody wanting Florida instead of one of those others. I, I don't know what you're why are you asking for that? Maybe you think Florida's just going to be in a free fall here under uh, under Billy Napier. I mean, it does yeah. it does look and, and, a little ominous right now for Florida. And, and and they might, you know, in the short term, you could say, boy, you lost to Florida for so many years, and now you beat Florida, and you got a better coach. And wouldn't it be fun just to beat Florida, you know, two, three, four years in a row? Um, I will remind you, if if you do that, they're going to fire Napier, and they're going to bring in somebody else. And anybody that knows the history of Florida football, especially the last 30 years, uh, they don't stay bad for long. And there's a lot of players down there that they can go get uh, right in their own backyard. And so um, I wouldn't hitch my wagon to wanting to play Florida year after year long term. I I think you can still have a little bit of that rivalry uh, and play them in alternating years. It won't be the same, but really it hadn't been the same for a long time because Florida's dominated that series until this uh, until this past season, so be happy if you get Kentucky or South Carolina as that uh, as that third team. Yeah, you mentioned one thing that that wound up with me putting South Carolina with Tennessee. Of some teams, it's you have like six candidates for three spots. Other teams, you have like one candidate for three spots, and that's sort of where South Carolina is. I feel like like South Carolina's top rival. Well, it's Clemson. It's not even an SEC school. But once you go inside the conference, historically, it's been Georgia. Um, now, Georgia's you know significantly ahead of, of almost everybody in the conference at this point. But they've had some really good games over the years. It's, 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 it's their biggest and, and most logical rival in the conference. But once you get past Georgia, there's not a lot of teams that jump out as like, oh, yeah, South Carolina has to play this team. It, it needs three rivals. Well, that's fine because it's going to play this three, these three teams. South Carolina falls in that category of you, you pencil in one team, Georgia, right off the bat, and then you think, okay, well, who are the other two going to be? You could say, yeah, maybe Kentucky, maybe Tennessee, 
maybe Florida, maybe Missouri. There's a bunch of maybes. The Columbia um, rivalry. I was told that was a big deal. Yeah, Columbia the Mayor's Cup, they call that. <laughs> I bet you didn't know. Probably nobody listening to this podcast knew. The I Mayor's Cup. <laughs> I'm not sure South Carolina Missouri fans know it's called the Mayor's Cup. Um, so as you start to play matchmaker, you know, you could do this umpteenth different different ways. And I've, I've certainly mocked up models where I've had Tennessee with Kentucky. I've mocked up models even where I've had Florida. Or yeah, Florida with with, with Tennessee, and, and I've done some with with South Carolina with Tennessee. I would think, as I said earlier, I would think Alabama and Vanderbilt are almost automatic for Tennessee if they go to this this scheduling model, and then the third comes from that that list of three. It's either Kentucky, South Carolina, or Florida. I think, and I would think actually that Florida is the least likely of the three. I, I think it'll be Kentucky or South Carolina if if. Alabama and Vanderbilt are the other two, as we would expect. I think there's a few positives to this uh, to this scenario. Number one, it's going to be a little different every year. You know, um, the NFL does this, and the SEC's tried to do it, where these, you know, where they have these schedule reveals. Um, I do think there's going to be. I mean, we're going to be able to plot out the schedule year after year, but you're not going to have fans just automatically on the top of their head know who their team is going to play the next year. And I think there's a, there's sort of a fun element to that. I mean, right now you basically just say who's the crossover game? It's Alabama and who, uh, you know, and, and and that's about it. Everything else is well. They went to Kentucky last year, so now they come here this year, and you went to to the swamp last year, so they come here this year, and that's that's pretty much it. There's there's no real intrigue or anything like that. So I, I think that will be a little more fun for fans. Uh, how the schedule is going to be is going to be a little different year to year. Um, I think it'll be fun for us, for the media, because uh, the schedules are not all going to be the same. Now, a fan may say, well, that, that's that's going to make it unfair. And, you know, uh, the, you know, well, we're, we have this record because we had this schedule and they have that record because they have this schedule. But, uh, you know, I, I, that makes for some pretty good talk in around playoff time when you're trying to compare strength of schedule, you know, that makes it pretty fun in late February, early March, when you're looking at NCAA tournament basketball teams and trying to figure out, you know, who deserves to be in and who doesn't. So I I think that's going to be a fun element that we're going to have, especially in the SEC, trying to figure out at larges and week to week, be able to figure out who, who has the weak schedule and who has the strong schedule. Uh, you know, a number of fan bases will be irritated that in some years, but it'll it'll be fun talking. And, and that's really what the SEC wants. And that's what college football wants. Uh, they want a year around product. And I think that, you know, bringing the schedule into it and a lot of these other things, talking about the playoff, the expanded playoff, I think they're going to do more and more of that. The negative for me is that. I think in the three six model, I think eventually, maybe right away, but eventually, I think we're going to get rid of those those power five non conference games. I think I think that's probably going to be the uh, um, that's going to be sort of the card that some of these teams play to to agree to go to the to the three six model to to the nine game uh, conference schedule. You know, there's some teams that don't want to do that because that's probably an extra loss for them, like you mentioned. Um, so maybe the counter was going to be, OK, well, now we don't have to play power five games in non-conference. And for me, that was always one of the more fun parts of, of each schedule. I mean, if you look at Tennessee's past 15 years, 
He played at Pitt this last year. That was fun. Go up to Pittsburgh, play in the Steelers Stadium in Heinz Field. They played at Georgia Tech. They played at Oklahoma, at Oregon, at UCLA, at Cal. Uh, those are fun road trips uh, in uh, to play a, a good a team from a good conference, to be on the road, to be in a stadium you've probably never been in before. You may never again. You know, that's why I, I mean, I've covered BYU. I, I know that's a different story, but uh, I wanted to go to the BYU game had it not been canceled uh, this uh, uh, for this next season. Um, and you're just you're, I think long term, you're probably those are probably going to be taken away. And I think instead you're just going to play those home games against teams that you're going to blow out. And and that's going to be it. And and I think that's a shame right, right now on Tennessee schedule. Um, they've got a couple of uh, neutral site games. They'll play Virginia and Nashville this year in 20 in 2025. They're supposed to play Syracuse in Atlanta. Um after that, they've got at Nebraska in 2026, at Washington in 2030. I don't know if we ever get to those games. I don't know if those games are ever played. Because if you're going to play an extra conference game, you got to go play at Oklahoma or you got to host Texas or, or any other conference game. Um, you, you are potentially adding a loss. And, you know, to, to go play at another Power 5 school non-conference, that, that's potentially another loss that you would rather be playing Bowling Green or Ball State at home. I think it depends on what your program's aspirations are. If you're trying to get into the playoff, I, I think there's more potential reward than not to play a, a Power 5 non-conference game. If you're trying to get to 7-5 and five and keep your coach's job, then I think you're looking for the easiest schedule possible. I mean, I think teams like Flo- Florida's not going to dump Florida State from the schedule. I don't see South Carolina dumping Clemson from the schedule. Alabama's going to play a Power 5 non-conference every year. Georgia's going to play Georgia Tech, and probably in most years, I think they're going to play another Power 5 non-conference. LSU will. I think it's going to be, you're going to have to decide, are you one of the haves or are you one of the have-nots in the SEC? Because the big dogs are going to keep playing a Power 5 non-conference. And and which one is Tennessee Tennessee over the next decade? Yeah. I mean, that'll be very telling. Are they trying to weasel their way out of playing a a Power 5 non-conference game if they're playing nine nine SEC opponents. I mean, I think a program like Vanderbilt or Kentucky might try to do exactly that. But is that is that who you see as your peers? Is Vanderbilt in Kentucky? Or uh, are you seeing, you know, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Florida as your peers? If you see those teams as your peers, you, you have to keep playing a Power 5 non-conference do, so, so do we agree that that's probably – that's likely going to be a compromise. I think it could be if they need to pull a couple people along to get enough votes to get a majority here to approve. I mean, it's not like people think Greg Sankey just waves his magic wand and does whatever he wants. Sankey's not deciding this schedule. I mean, he can certainly use his influence and say, hey, we need to do this for these reasons. Why? But it's the conference members who vote on the future of, of the schedule. So, you know, you need a majority vote. So, yes, I, I do think if you're trying to pull a couple extra votes along, you 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 throw them an olive branch and say, hey, if you vote for a nine-game schedule, we're going to drop the requirement that you have to play a Power 5 non-conference game. That has been discussed. I don't know if that's the direction they're definitely going, but I do know that has been discussed among leadership of maybe that's that's an avenue to get some teams on board with this nine game schedule. But again, I think then you have to decide, are you, which, which end of the conference you are you in? Cause you know, Florida is going to play Florida state every year. You know, 
Alabama is not going to drop that power five non-conference game. Do you consider yourself among those teams or do you consider yourself among the Vanderbilts of, of the world who might look to get out of it? Well, thinking out loud, I, I wonder, and this may be overthinking it, but I wonder if there's a compromise within the compromise that they come up with of, uh, yeah, you don't have to play a power five non-conference every year anymore, but we'd like you to play one every once in a while just to keep the brand up. So you got to play one every other year or one every three years or something like that. I, I could I could see that. So that then, for example, like a Vanderbilt would play, you got to play Duke, but you don't have to play anybody next year. You got to play Boston College, but you don't have to play anybody next year and something like that. I, I could see a compromise within the compromise. Talking specifically about Tennessee, um, I, I could make a case either way. Um, I mean, okay, 12-team college football playoff. How many does the SEC get in? Four? Three? Four? Yeah, I think I think four in in their best years. I think they might vie for five, but I think a lot of years somewhere somewhere around that four mark. I would think. So if you're getting four in, you know, I could make the case that Tennessee would would need to um, play a Power Five team in non conference uh, because they're going to be, you know. Um, because they're going to be at the you know that eleven twelve team. They're going to be like that last at large in a in a good year to get in. And we saw last year, uh, I mean, this past season, where you're you're comparing so many metrics. And if you've got a case against you, it's that well, you could have played a, a good team here, but you didn't. Um, I can make the case on the other end that Tennessee could say, hey. If we're fortunate enough to somehow get through the SEC, losing, let's say only one game or two games um we you know we deserve to get in that's enough that's enough to get in i mean this past year you know they were 11 and 2 or they were 10 and 2 in the regular season had there been a expanded playoff they would have got in and you know let's let's say had they you know they played at pittsburgh that obviously helped them at the time they were the top 25 win ended up being something around there um if they were 10 and two this past year, but they had played, uh, you know, uh, uh, an FCS team or something like that instead of Pittsburgh, does that, does that hurt them in, in 12 teams? I think they still get in. I think they still get in, in a 12 team playoff, even without playing Pittsburgh this past season, because they were, they were just, I mean, they were really good. They, they beat Alabama, they beat LSU. They, they got those wins. And so if you were judging it off this past season, you would say, Tennessee could sort of define themselves as a have not and take that power five game off the non-conference schedule because you're already playing enough in conference to get there. Um, but I, I think you could make the opposite case of the years. It, it's going to be difficult. Like I said, I mean, on the, on the long-term schedule, they've got, um, well, Virginia's this year. That's not the expanded playoff yet, but they've got Syracuse, Nebraska, West Virginia. That's a, that's a game in Charlotte. And uh, Washington. Now, I will point as out. As you read those off, Adam, yeah. though, my, my thought is if you can't beat Syracuse and Nebraska, you're not a playoff team anyway. Uh, we, so. we had this, I think we had the same thought at the same time as I'm reading those. Yeah, you, you're gaming the system a little bit there because you're playing lower-end Power 5 non-conference. Syracuse, uh, what's the difference in playing Syracuse and uh, – Southern Miss, uh, you know, nothing. Um, Nebraska, I mean, that's a name, but that's, you know, it's at Nebraska, so who knows, by, by 2026. West Virginia, 
yeah, if, if you're a playoff team, you should beat those. Uh, at Washington, That uh, hey, I hope that stays on schedule because I'd like to go to Washington on that road trip and play what may be, may, may be a good team by the end. Who knows? They, they were a good team this last year. Uh, so you, you are uh, – anytime you can get like uh, – you know, I mean, I mentioned Boston College before Duke. Maryland, I think, is always a good one. Uh, how, these, how about Virginia and Nashville this year? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. You get a team that you should beat them by double figures, and uh, and it counts as a non-conference power five. So I guess that's sort of threading the needle, and maybe that's where, that's where, uh, that's where Tennessee goes with this. Yeah, I think Duke's going to become really popular in, in this non-conference uh, <laughs> conversations. Their, their phone may be, may be ringing. Blake, speaking of road trips, have you covered a game in Oklahoma or Texas? Uh, I've covered a game in Texas. I covered Alabama, Texas this past year. Uh, I have not covered a game in in Oklahoma. So when they join, they will become the only the only venue I've I've not covered a game in. So I'm the opposite. I've covered a game in Oklahoma many years ago. I covered uh, Middle Tennessee, MTSU at Oklahoma, which would probably be a different environment than when Josh Hopple goes. Uh, back to Oklahoma. Yes. Um, I, I've been in Austin uh, for some assignments, but I've I've never covered a game at Texas. So uh, I, I I mean I will say of what I know of Texas, what I've seen of Oklahoma. Those are two atmospheres that will fit right into the SEC e- immediately. I mean, when Missouri came in, um, you couldn't say that in basketball. You could say that, but, but even not in football, you couldn't say that. South Carolina already had the the environment and the crowd and all that to to be right along with the SEC. Arkansas, in its own way, um, does, um, but uh, uh, and Texas A and M obviously does, um, but uh, Texas and Oklahoma will fit right in. When an SEC team goes in there for a conference game, you'll say, "Well, this this feels right." Right, let, let's leave with this, Adam. I wanted to ask you about this. I'm curious to get your thoughts. I, I think there are potential. Um, I don't know if you want to call them rivalries, but I, I think there will be some spice to each of these matchups with Tennessee, uh, both Texas and Oklahoma. You mentioned with Oklahoma, there's the Josh Heupel factor. Obviously, he was a star player there. There were some frosty feelings after the breakup, after he was fired as as an offensive coordinator by Bob Stoops, whom he played for, was a longtime assistant for. Uh, but eventually, you know, Bob Stoops made a staff shake up and it was kind of a controversial movie. He, he let go Josh Heupel. Um, so there, I think there's a potential for something resembling a rivalry with Oklahoma, but I also think with Texas, you know, there's going to be this whole UT versus UT thing. And that might sound stupid. It might sound silly. Like who cares? Who's the quote unquote real UT, but you know how much that's going to be played up on social media. I, I mean, you could see each school's branded accounts. I think, would not surprise me if, like, in the lead-up to those games, there's there's a little back and forth between even the branded accounts on Twitter going back and forth on, you know, proving we're the real UT. So I think there's an opportunity to kind of have a second tier. It's not going to be the third Saturday in October, but I think there's an opportunity to have um, kind of some spicy matchups with with Oklahoma and Texas as, as like, a second-tier rivalry type of game. Which one do you think has maybe the higher-end potential as a rival for Tennessee after they join the conference, uh, do, you, do you think Oklahoma or Texas? Uh, Texas does for Tennessee. Uh, the which is the real UT that, that I mean that that's going to live on. I mean Josh Hopple may be at Tennessee for a decade. Who knows? But um, the Josh Hopple goes back to Oklahoma narrative will be good the first time they play. It'll be you know 
his first time back to Oklahoma, whether that's the first game or second game, that'll be fun. I think by like their third meeting, if it's still Hopple versus Oklahoma, it'll be a nice little thing for TV. The rest of us will feel like that's narrative is played out. And so I, I think that's the only easy connection. The first time around, it may feel like Oklahoma has a little more juice to it because of the Josh Hopple factor. Long-term, uh, Texas versus Tennessee is going to be it. I mean, I grew up in Tennessee um, in the seventh grade, I think. We took Tennessee history. Instead of U.S. history, you took Tennessee <laughs> history. And um, there was a lot of Texas, Tennessee in my Tennessee history book. Kids, back back then we had books. We had actual physical books. You, you um and, uh, you know, all that we were taught, I, I know there's, there's uh, you know, a debate narrative out there right now uh, for different reasons about, you know, teach the real history, what really happened, not, not you know, what you think happened in history, in American history. Back then, there was a slant in Tennessee history books about uh, how much Tennessee really helped Texas. And, well, Texas wouldn't even be a state without Tennessee. And <laughs> Texas would be northern Mexico without Tennessee. Well, we're going to hear a lot of that uh, on fall Saturdays once once every two years, aren't we? I, I, I'm thinking through we should do an entire episode. I should bring on my Tennessee history teacher uh, when uh, and ask about all the slants that he had back in, in my seventh grade class back then. But uh, uh, Davy Crockett uh, saved Texas, and he's a Tennessean. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I just listed a few of these uh, a couple weeks ago when we were hearing about the, whether or not when Texas would get into the conference. I immediately had an email from a reader that said, don't forget Sam Houston. Sam Houston was from Blount County. He's a Tennessean. He was the first, uh, I think he was the first president of Texas. Um, but that was one that I forgot. And so everything that every Tennessean is taught from a young child is that, Texas, you're welcome. We saved you. And that will be brought out, and a lot of people will remember history that they had forgotten. And I think that's going to add juice to it because Texas is a very, very proud state, and that's a proud school. And if you have a smaller state um, telling you you're welcome for existing, <laughs> that can get you that can get you riled up. And so that I, I think that that's that's what you need in a rivalry. Um, and I think that that'll add a whole lot of juice to it. Plus they're both orange and, uh, you know, that, that, that's going to be fun too. So Texas, Tennessee, long-term absolutely will, will be better for it. And, uh, you know, you're going to have, well, I mean, we were thinking a week ago or so that we were not going to get Nico versus Arch Manning. And now I think we, we will, right. I mean, if both of them are playing and starting, they would play, what no, their by, by 2025 year? yeah it'll either yeah. be on the schedule in 2024 2025 so their second or third year of college so they'll both be there and if they both are what we think they're going to be then they'll they'll both be starting and that'll be fun i i i, I want to go to texas sooner than later because i've not covered a game there but i think also arch manning playing in neeland sort of has its own I mean, Peyton Manning at that game, what's he wearing? Where's he at? How does he react to Arch doing good things or Arch getting, you know, murdered on a on a safety blitz? Uh, you know, that, that's going to be a whole nother narrative. There's there's almost all good to Oklahoma and Texas coming into the conference. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, I think the, um, the narrative is going to wear off the whole Josh Heupel, Oklahoma thing after the first couple meetings and, and long term. 
Texas, Tennessee, I, I'm, I'm in your camp. I, I think that has much better rivalry potential with the UT versus UT. It'll be a whole lot of orange when, when those teams meet um, and, and try to prove that they are the quote-unquote real UT. The first opportunity for that uh, could come as early as 2024 uh, with Oklahoma and Texas coming into the conference. Expect a, the SEC to, to finalize a schedule for what it will look like in the expanded league. I would say sometime within uh, probably about the next four months, I think by uh, by about June or, or July at the latest, maybe even coming out of spring meetings in the Destin, in Destin uh, which, is, which is the end of May, beginning of June, I think we could have a future look at the conference's schedule at that point. Adam and I will continue to cover it in the pages of the Knoxville News Sentinel. And of course, we'll be here to discuss it on the Volunteer State. Thanks for listening to this edition. We'll be with you again next week.